Greetings. Welcome to the Sacred Wandering Podcast. I'm Kevin, your host, and I'll be talking with people about their journeys with faith, religion, spirituality, and values. Wandering down crooked road I saw the spirit like a dove She sang a song I've not yet heard She called me out to see the world There's a lot of good news in the Episcopal Church, and I think it's time more of us in the Church share some of the good news in our own lives. Good, but not always easy. Sometimes even quite difficult. All right now, let's get on with the show. I have with me here Jeremy Ayers, uh, another member of St. Thomas's Parish. Uh, Let's see, Jeremy, we've known each other... Oh, 10 years, over 10 years. Yeah, 10 years, Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. Thanks for asking me. I'm glad to do it. All right. So, okay, well, let's just start, you know, where were you born and raised? Where was I born and raised? So I have a bi-state relationship. Uh, I was born in Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma, and uh, we left Oklahoma City when I was young. My parents split up. We moved to a very small town in southwestern Oklahoma, like 2,000 people. Um, uh, and then when I was six, my mom remarried, and she married a Texan, so we moved across the border to uh, Texas. So long story short, I was born in Oklahoma, but I was raised in Texas. Texas feels like home, but they don't claim me since I wasn't born there. So I feel like I have this kind of bi-state uh, personality or background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of um, religious, uh, spiritual background do you have you know, that you were raised in? Right. Uh, probably like a lot of people on that part of the world, one of my earliest memories is of my mom reading me Bible stories before bed. Um, and while we were kind of on again, off again, churchgoers, we um, definitely church was a big part of my young childhood. So especially after my uh, mom and stepdad split up, it was a pretty rough time. And the local church, the Baptist church, was really good to us, really welcoming and warm and inviting. I felt really safe and comfortable there. And so, you know, in that part of the world, everybody's Christian, even if you're not, you know, it's just in the water. So um, church was a big part of our life and that kind of, you know, conservative, evangelical, fundamentalist type Christianity is really what I was raised with. And I didn't know there was anything else until much later in life. So what kinds of values were you brought up with that you learned from your parents, from church, yeah. anything like that? Yeah. My mom used to have this little tiny handheld uh, cassette recorder, and she recorded me singing uh, Jesus Loves Me, right? It's probably the first song like we all remember. And one of the great things I got from my mom was how much that God loves us. Um, And I think that sense of unconditional love, I'm really, really grateful for that was there from the beginning. At the same time, you know, like growing up in that part of the world, there's a lot of talk of... um, salvation and hell. And so I think that one of the values I had was you need to follow the right path in order to get the reward, whether that reward is heaven and eternal life. Or we were also really influenced a lot by the prosperity gospel, you know, that idea that if you just follow God's rules, then wealth and well-being will come to you. And that was, those are some of the values too. Lastly, I would say that I think one of the things that the the Christianity gave me early on was a sense of like 
there's something bigger than me, right? Whether that's God or heaven or 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 evil, that there that there there were bigger things in the world than me, and that actually was really positive. It gave me a sense of meaning and purpose and direction. I think it was especially important when we really struggled in our personal and family lives. And so now you're no longer Baptist, right. you're Episcopalian. So tell me, sort of, sort of the journey from from there to here. Right. Great timing. I don't know if on the podcast you can hear the the bells chiming in the background. You know, Kevin, you and I are sitting here talking in uh, an Episcopal church in D.C., and it's a long way from Oklahoma City and an even longer way from, you know, Childress, Texas, where I grew up. Uh, one of the biggest things that happened to me, probably true for you, I think we share this, is I went to college, right? And so first in my family to go to college, certainly the first to take a class on religion. And, and where did you go to college? I went to a small Methodist college called McMurray University in Abilene, Texas. So 150 miles down the road, so it was very familiar, but yet the things we talked about and I learned about were completely unfamiliar. Um, Anything in particular? I think one of the first times, like just seeing the history of Christianity and how people thought differently at different times, to finally realize that, oh, the kind of fundamentalist, conservative Christianity I grew up with only sprung up about maybe 150 years ago, um, was really eye-opening. Um, and, um, and that helped kind of set me on a, like a, a, an intellectual search, you know, for, for, for meaning. And, um, and to be honest, I wound up in the Episcopal Church in college because uh, a friend of mine, a fellow student, and a professor started going to Church of the Heavenly Rest in Abilene, Texas, this beautiful stone Gothic uh, church in the middle of the buckle of conservative Bible Belt. And it was fascinating to me. These were, you know, we would walk up to communion through the choir and they were chanting things in Latin. Flash forward to now, I don't know if Latin chant is my favorite, but it gave me a sense of the awe and the mystery and the, the ancient tradition of Christianity. Uh, and it was just beautiful. It was so different than what I'd ever experienced before that it kind of really drew me in. And I kind of wandered my way um, from there um, uh, into the Episcopal Church permanently um, after grad school. So now for grad school, you went to Duke. That's right. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So what what took you there? So in so you know I grew up with conservative fundamentalist evangelical Christianity and then like very experiential. Then in college I was really taken with like intellectual study of Christianity. I did like a, a 180. The pendulum swung you know the opposite direction. So when I left college I thought I want to be a religion professor. I want to be like these people that help open my eyes to this you know world of the mind. So I went off to Duke Divinity School uh, to, um, to further my studies, to become a professor. But I really saw teaching as a vocation, and I, I wanted to teach people who were going to be ministers. So, and, and they gave me a good scholarship, so I can't. Well, that's you know, always good. <laughs> right. um, and uh, that was a tremendous experience. It was very hard and challenging academically. I went from being a, a, a big fish in a little pond to a little fish in a big pond. I realized um, I had a lot more to learn and to grow. Um, and also there, you know, interestingly, I, you know, I came out. I came to wrestle with and, and accept that I was gay. And at the time, that just didn't quite fit in the Methodist church. I was actually still Methodist at the time, and even though I was going to the Episcopal church. So when I finished, I was really grateful for the experience. I learned and I grew so much and I kind of came to accept who I was um, in terms of my sexual orientation, uh, but the church wasn't as much a fit for me. So when I finished, I decided just to take a break, 
I moved to Washington for love at the time, my first relationship, he was moving here, and um, just kind of took a little bit of break from academic study and tried to sort of think about what in the world was I going to do with my life. Like I think a lot of people do who come to, to Washington. We're not really sure what we're doing. So what did you do? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I pounded the pavement till I could find somebody that would hire me. This is 2003. And it was really hard, you know, um, a degree in theology is great to help you learn and grow, but it is not a preparation for job uh, seeking, I think, as you know. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. You and I share this experience. <laughs> so people kind of look at what in, what in the world is this degree? What does this mean? So I found a nonprofit that I convinced that I had good critical thinking skills. And it was an education policy. It's just, you know, I had done some after school tutoring and just honestly fell into it. I keep saying that. I want to have five-year plans, and I strive to have five-year plans, and sometimes I make five-year plans, and then at about year one, it all goes awry and falls apart, and I wind up kind of stumbling into what I wind up doing. And to be honest, that's that's how I did. So I stumbled into policy work, um, and I started back up going to the Episcopal Church and kind of found my way to St. Thomas, which is how we met, and um, and that's been my, my home ever since. So what do you like about the Episcopal Church? Why is that a good fit for you? Yeah. I think this is probably true for both of us and a lot of people who come from, you know, places like Oklahoma and Texas. I love the generosity of the Episcopal Church. You know, coming from a tradition where you needed to believe the certain things, you needed to feel certain things, uh, you needed to do certain things that were very narrow and constricting. The generosity of the Episcopal Church was amazing, where what I believed was open where how I felt was open, where I could kind of rest in the beauty of the liturgy. That was one of the biggest things that, and I still still love. Um, and then I think lastly, just the, the appreciation and attention to, to art and beauty. I, I think I sometimes say a lot of Christianity is prose, but Christianity in the Episcopal Church is prose and poetry. Like for us, I think the power of, not just what do we believe about Jesus, is he the son of God or what does that mean? But, but metaphor, right? That Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, or I'm the vine and you're the branches. That's metaphor. And to me, sometimes that's far more powerful uh, than concepts about what it means that Jesus you know, is divine and human. Um, and to me, the Episcopal Church like, uh, conceptually thinks that and says that, but uses metaphor and poetry and beauty in our worship and in our experiences. And that, to me, is one of the biggest things that I think keeps me in the Episcopal Church. Now... Of course, no church is perfect. Right. So, what have been what have been sort of the some of the challenges? Uh, where yeah. do you think the church has maybe fallen short? Yeah. One of my favorite uh, Methodist pastors, uh, Johnny Robertson, always said, "In any job, you got to take out the trash." And he said, "That's true for the church too. There are things you got to do to take out the trash. Sometimes lots of trash. <laughs> Sometimes lots of trash, right?" And he's like, "You may love preaching, and you don't like visiting shut-ins, or you may love visiting shut-ins and not like preaching." And I think that's the same for my experience of the church, whether I'm a, you know, a minister or not. And I would say for me, me a challenge is, again, that, that kid that grew up in a farm family from Oklahoma and Texas, sometimes the Episcopal Church has, uh, still has the, you know, the kind of country club mentality or the sort of folks that get really persnickety about the exact words or hymns we pick. It, it drives me crazy sometimes that... Um, we're so anti-evangelical, um, right? That the biggest sin is projecting words on a screen. <gasps> uh, right, I know, right? And, and, and I get it, you know, it reminds people of, you know, a past they want to leave behind. 
and and sometimes the Episcopal Church can feel, you know, the the sense of tradition can feel a little rigid rather than rich, you know, rather than some a, a great shoulder of giants to stand on. It can feel like something that's very exacting uh, and strict. A great example I give is I was visiting an unnamed seminary, but a seminary located in New York City. And we were visiting with some students. <laughs> Kevin's like, well, I wonder which one that is. With some students, and they, the, their joke was, you know what the difference between people who attend General Seminary and Virginia Theological Seminary oh, is? My. So one is high church, one is low church, is um, people at Virginia Seminary don't know the difference between a thurible and a, um, a, dogmatic, a dalmatic or something like that. Um, and I thought, and they just were laughing to themselves, and I thought, who cares like what the name of things are? I, you know, like to me, have beautiful vestments and things and like liturgy, but but how we use them and engage our senses—that's what matters. Yes, no, isn't that special? <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's that side. There's there's that side sometimes. But and like any institution, there's institutional stuff, right? Um, that feels uh, you know off-putting. But again, you got to take out the trash and. Any profession, any job, any institution, there's going to be things. For me, on the whole, though, the Episcopal Church is still home, um, and that I, that I feel good about. And of course, there's certainly has been enough good that is that has kept you here that you feel at home, and you have also considered professional ministry in it. Yeah, one of the great things about the Episcopal Church is it's kind of let me wander what I believe, uh, and it's also kind of let me wander um, in terms of like, what am I doing with my life? And there have been times where I thought, you know what, I really want to be uh, an ordained minister, and there are other times where I think, no, this is the last thing I want to do. And I think at this point in my life, you know, I'm almost 40 now, uh, I think we're around the same age, and so you probably understand, <laughs> right? Sorry to put you on the spot there. You start thinking about, what am I doing with my life? Have I achieved not just that five-year plan, but my 40-year plan? I think I've kind of come to think I'm not sure that's the path forward for me. And all along the way, like, the church has been a great place to just just to hold that, uh, to not privilege being a priest over being a lay person, to give me lots of room to question and to wander to the name of your podcast, um, and to really let wherever I am be a good place to be and to know that's where God is uh, and to know that even when I'm not sure and have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing, that no matter what... Um, it's not just that God is with me, but that I'm inside God, I think, already. There's, no, there's nowhere to go um, apart from God or God's love. And that has been a real gift, I think, that the, that the church and people in the church have given me. So what were the parts of, you know, that you saw in ordained ministry that, that really did yeah. call to you? Yeah. I first felt like a sense of call to ministry, actually, when I was... Methodist and you know graduating high school um, I was like public speaking and preaching and you know in the evangelical world you get lots of time if, if you're a good speaker they they want a kid to get up and you know tell their story that that's gold right so um, I got lots of chances to do that and and a lot of folks said you're such a great preacher I think you should be a, you know a minister one day and I thought yeah that seems great and, and the more I explored and when I studied in college I was drawn to not just preaching but also to like teaching um, whether that's a Bible study or, or what have you, and, and, and what we call pastoral care. You know, whether you're visiting folks uh, who are in the nursing home or who are sick or in the hospital who, God forbid, are uh, sick or who are dying, 
those you know couple of occasions that I got a chance to do that were really meaningful to me. So the draw to those three things um, were you know a real pull, um, and that's that's kind of one version of what a priest does. You know, I think over the last couple of years, what we've envisioned priests are that's still part of it. Um, but I think there's been a real shift to think about priests as leaders and equipping other people to teach and to provide care and, and maybe even to preach sometimes. And um, that's been a real interesting uh, shift to see and to see myself sometimes resonate with that and sometimes not. Now, given that you know, some of those things really did appeal to you, but you're not really going to be going for right. for ordination. Right. How do you um, sort of respond to that kind of call right. to, you know, with preaching, teaching, yeah. pastoral care? Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm grateful for is the church where we go together, St. Thomas, is the we've been through two priests, you and I now, and both have been very open to lay people, lay leadership. So I still get the chance to preach. I'm going to preach in about a month. And um, I teach, you know, probably any time, right? I think mm-hmm. we're very open to that. You've gotten to do that. Um, and we're a church that really tries to provide pastoral and spiritual care to each other. And so I've recognized there's a chance to do that, whether I'm a priest, you know, an ordained uh, minister or not. How I've, like, interpreted this has been a big one. This is a big kind of bin life. Well, what do I do when I've been going in a direction for 20 years, and now that doesn't seem to be the direction my life's going to go? And I'm sure many people have experiences like that. I can relate. Yeah, right? Jobs or relationships or just how you look at yourself. And so, you know, I'm still figuring out. I'm still wandering, right? I'm still on the path. But I think one thing is helpful for me is that I think maybe it was a calling for a time and a season in my life. And I followed that calling by going to college and going to theology school and by going through the process. And those are things that really shape me in good and, and, and deep ways and very challenging ways. But at this point in my life, in this season, I'm not sure that's the calling. And God still calls us all to to do and be the wonderful people God made us to be, whatever our job is. And so I think I'm still figuring that out. Well, maybe that doesn't mean I'm in the role of priest, but there may be like priestly ministry that we all do, right? We have this idea of the priesthood of all believers, that all of us are called to, to be God's presence in this world to other people. Um, and maybe maybe for me, uh, that's some insight I can bring to what lay leadership looks like. I don't know. I have no idea. There's also, to be honest, some some uh, grief in that, right? To have like this understanding of myself for so long and that not to work out for a variety of reasons. And I've come to realize I think that's also a gift, a sacred wound maybe, or Henry Nouwen called it, we're wounded healers, right? Where your wound can actually be a place where Um, You can offer some compassion, some understanding, and maybe some healing to others. Um, And so maybe that's what's in process for me around this, too. So going from, say, like, you know, know, sort of doing sort of the outside, sort of moving for more inside, what Mm -hmm. kinds of spiritual practices do you have that sort of keep you going, that sort of help connect you to God? Right. Maybe I'll start with saying what practices I feel like I don't do, (laughs) right? (laughs) So there's confession time where I feel like I'm I'm, I'm terrible at prayer. For a long time, I was really committed to doing morning and evening prayer. And I was taking Spanish lessons. That was really important to me. So I was using the 
the daily office in Spanish, which was great. And I've never been able to sustain that. And I think there's a loss. It's a real gift that the prayer book offers us. So right now, though, what I've modified that is, is what I try to do, uh, one, I think, is a spiritual practice is in the morning, but sometimes the evening, to give myself at least five minutes of quiet meditation. And it's a simple thing where I just try to be aware of my body for a few minutes, a couple of deep breaths, and then to ask God to help me be aware of her presence. Um, and then to just be still, right? To be still and know that I'm God, like the psalmist says. Um, I think another practice, very Episcopalian, is just regular worship. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, um, is, is a big part of being part of the community, including people who probably, I'm not their favorite person and they're not my, my favorite people. It's no shocker. Um, but to be part of that community and be committed to that. Um, I think an, another uh, practice for me actually right now is really important is getting in touch with those parts of me that feel like failures or weaknesses or vulnerabilities, like the really hard stuff, like, like the wounds like we were talking about. And, you know, one format that helps me with that is like a 12-step program called Adult Children of Alcoholics okay. and Dysfunctional Families. And kind of dealing with a lot of the dysfunction I grew up with, I think, of course, those are spiritual programs. They're, they're based on, and they were, you know, 12-step programs were started by, right, like folks who worked with an Episcopal church in Ohio many, many years ago. And so I think that for me, like getting in touch with those really, really hard spots and, and seeing where God is actually there and maybe drawing me toward those experiences, not being afraid of them and processing that grief and discharging that grief, to me has been tremendously spiritually enriching because it helps me see that it's not that God is only in the victory and in the strength, but I think God has been there helping me and transforming me actually in the very midst of the things that are I'd really rather not deal with or talk about or feel or whatever. Yeah. Well, as we draw this to a close, what is one thing that, you know, whether it's about church, religion, faith, that you would like to learn more about? Mm. So... Related to what I was saying, I've been reading this book by uh, Richard Rohr. Um, so probably anyone who listens to your podcast is going to know who that is already, right? Franciscan priest writes about a book a year or five books a year, uh, but great, called Falling Upward. Mm -hmm. That um, is from a couple of years ago, and it's sort of about like the spirituality of failure, of how these experiences in our life where we just hit a wall, sometimes a death or a loss of a job or relationship. Um, how those experiences actually those experiences actually help us um, experience God in our lives in a new way, a more broad and generous way, um, and kind of quit climbing the ladder to more success, more success, and to experience humility in a new way. And I think that for me is, again, like I said before, to not be afraid of the things that are hard or that we're afraid of or that we don't like about ourselves, and to see those experiences, our failures, our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, those things that we're ashamed of and embarrassed about are actually like windows into God's presence in our life, that those things are actually wounds that can heal us, things that can transform us. Uh, and I think for me, um, that is, seems a very big growing edge of my, um, my spirituality. Oh, I think that's definitely a lot, something that a lot of us you know, yeah. have to deal with or yeah. even some of us should do more of. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I, I say that really good really good religion should actually draw us closer to other people and help us realize we're actually more alike than we are different. If it's not doing that, 
It's probably not, right? If, yeah. if some, something about Christianity makes us feel superior to or different from or unique from everybody else, to me, that I would question that. But something that draws us closer toward one another and recognizes that we're similar, that to me seems more authentic and a more powerful and transforming experience. Well, thank you so much for, for agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, and have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to Sacred Wandering Podcast. Join me in about two weeks as we explore more stories of people in their faith and spiritual lives. You can find this series on iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave a review. Follow me on my blog, sacredwandering.wordpress.com, and on Facebook, and share with others. The music you hear is Searcher by Alex Johnston from the album Epiphany Songs from Church of the Apostles in Seattle. You can find it at apostleschurchseattle.bandcamp.com. I'm Kevin, your host, wishing you a good day and Godspeed. And remember, not all who wander are lost. But let me check Google Maps to make sure. I pray for fire like the dawn.